Friends Pancake Breakfast in Wright Hall. Wednesday, October 28th and Thursday, October 29th, Noah's Ark Halloween parties will be up here. Also Saturday, going back, Saturday, October 23rd, there will be a yard sale. Proceeds benefit Noah's Ark Preschool. This will be in our gym over here. This is this Saturday. Following Saturday, October 30th at 4 p.m., we're going to per be participating in the county and citywide Halloween program. This will be at Gene Record Park. Christina Mathis is requesting candy. You can start bringing bags of candy up to the church. We'll have some ministry baskets available for you to place your candy to help us make this a successful uh, time of outreach for the families of our community. Sunday, October 31st at 2.30 p.m., Southern Oaks Ministry by our church. Note the birthdays and anniversaries. Also, an invitation from Brother Keith for us to come attend Potts Chapel Methodist Church Revival Sunday night, October 24th through Tuesday night, October 26th. Everyone welcome. Are there any other announcements? there will be a furniture furniture sale at the parsonage please come over and help with this endeavor by buying something any other announcements oh there is another ministry opportunity this one for international children we are doing the shoebox packing for Christmas uh, for children of all around the world. If you're interested in packing a shoebox, see me or see the ministry table in the uh, gym, in the gym foyer. We've got boxes set up for you to pick up, packing lists, and see me for any other questions. Any other announcements? Let us worship. Please stand and join me in singing the Shine Jesus song.
you offer them in prayer. Lord, we come before you as the people who so desperately need you. But as a people who are stubborn and mule-headed and try to do things through our own power and our own strength and our own ability, help us to realize that we can do nothing apart from you, but in Christ we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. So we claim that promise. We call for the Holy Spirit to fall down upon this place and to fill us, to encourage us, to equip us, to empower us, to engage us with the work of the Holy Spirit. And we ask all those things in your name and for our sake and the people together say, Amen. I invite you to join with me as we say the Apostles' Creed this morning. You'll find it on your screen as we begin. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. On the third day, Good morning. Uh, we're going to do something a little different today. You ready? We like to shake things up. Yeah. Okay. okay. We're going to sing a praise hymn. And we talked about it. Do you remember how to do it? All right. You ready? This is a day. This is the day that the Lord has made. Good job. What did we just do when they did that? Did we sing praises? Anybody? What do you think? What about uh, when we pray? Yeah, when we talk to God. What are some other ways we could give praise? What about when we do the right thing? Do you think that praises God? It does. What about when you help out other people? Do you think that praises God? Mm -hmm. If you're doing it because you know God wants you to do it, right? He's shown you it's the right thing to do. All right. Well, what if you hit your brother? Is that praising God? It's not. Do you think God likes that when we do that? doesn't like it when we're, when we're uh, mean or hurtful to other people, right? So we have hit our brother, and we've hurt his feelings, and he's kind of hurt our feelings, too. Have we praised God in that situation? What if you got to feel
together, you'd be praising God. You could be, right? And what if you went to talk to your brother like God tells us to do? When someone wrongs us, we're supposed to go to that person and talk to them about it. And you go to your brother and you say, brother, you hurt me. And your brother says, I'm sorry. And you forgive your brother and your brother forgives you. Is that praising God? God loves you, and God made you in the image of God, and God made your brother in the image of God. And so when we praise God and we realize the things that he's done for us, we have to realize we have to repent and turn and forgive, right? And then God forgives us, yeah? So do you think the next time something like that comes in your life where things are hard and you may do things that God doesn't like, do you think you can still find a way to go back to God? Okay. All right. Well, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the children in our church, Father, and we ask that you will multiply them. Help us as a church to teach our children in the way that they should go. Help them to know that they are loved by an almighty God and that they are loved by this church and to help them when they have struggles in their life, Father. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. the word of God. Bless the Lord, O my soul. You are clothed with honor and majesty and cover yourself with light as with a garment. You make the clouds your chariot and ride on the wings of the wind. You make the winds your messengers, fire and sent the earth on its foundation so that it should never be shaken. You covered it with deep as with a garment. The waters stood above the mountains. At your rebuke, they fled. The sound of your thunder shook the rocks. They rose up to the mountains, ran down to the valleys, to the place where you appoint, anointed, appointed for them. O oh Lord, how manifold are your works. The wisdom you have made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. Let sinners be consumed from the earth, and let the wicked be no more. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Praise the Lord.
to the prayers of the people this day. We lift up our sister church, the Huntington Circuit, who was pastored by Alex Hilliard, Charles Blankenship and family, Keith Foote, Bobby Keaton, Phil and Anita Hickerson, Mandy Newman, an unspoken request, the military, our world leaders, the family of Terry Sutherland and the family of Mick Trent. I would also ask that you would add a longtime friend of several of us in the congregation, the family of Gerald McGuire, who was a longtime choir director in the Lisa Methodist Church, uh, passed away this, this day. So are there others that you would add to the list? Dr. Orman Campbell. Okay. Okay, so still praying for Mr. Roy Sharp that he'll be home as scheduled. Are there others? Ashley Pugh. Ashley Pugh. Are there others? If you haven't looked at the playground since it's been redone, take a look. It's amazing. And we had it because of a lot of people helping and pulling together for the kingdom of God. And the fence will be put back up. Okay. <laughs> the fence is going back up. So let's pray together. Lord, we thank you. We ask you, Lord, that you would watch over us and keep us. We ask that you would empower us, equip us, encourage us, engage us, entice us to be about the work of the kingdom of God. And now as we've read these names, these who are hurting, these who are suffering, these who have lost loved ones, and spoken requests, you know the needs of every situation. So we ask that you would guide the hands of the doctors and nurses in medical situations. We ask in other situations that you would work in the hearts of those involved so that things might be resolved. We ask, Lord, that more than anything else, we would be called to be a part of the kingdom of God. We watch over you, and we watch over each other, even as you watch over us. But how much more do you take note of us? You note every sparrow that falls from the sky. You know the number of the hairs on all of our heads. And yet how much more worthy are we in your eyes than a sparrow that falls? So we ask that you watch us and keep us and hold us. We ask, Lord, these things even as we pray together, the way you taught your disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Would our ushers come forward at this time? Pray together. Lord, out of these gifts and tithes and offerings that we give back to you, we ask that you would take them and multiply them. We have been given these things not because of anything we did or anything we earned. We have been given these things through the grace of God. And now we give these gifts back to you to use in this place, this community, this state, this nation, and the world around us. We ask it in your name. Amen. <laughs> Thank you. 
be singing uh, all three verses of Blessed Assurance. If you, if you would like to turn in your hymnals, it's number 369 on, on the screen.
Let me ask you, if you would, if you have your Bibles with you, you want to follow along on the screen, that you turn to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22 through 25. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22 through 25. Hear the word of God. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is indeed faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting, encouraging one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. And again, our key verse is verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, today's sermon is going to be a little different, a little different than what I typically preach. It's one of those sermons that's kind of been hanging around in the back of my head for several months, and I kept talking with God and kind of putting God off and saying, God, I, I'm not really sure I want to preach that yet. Well, God finally, about two weeks ago, convicted me that I needed to go ahead and preach it. So a little tongue-in-cheek, I'm calling it, what's your excuse? We all have excuses. You may remember a comedian in the 70s, late 60s, early 70s, by the name of Flip Wilson. Flip Wilson had a byline that you all remember. The devil made me do it. No matter what happened, no matter what he did, no matter what he said, what anybody said to him, when, when he replied, his first statement was, the devil made me do it. So that was an excuse. We all have them. Well, I've realized that we still have excuses in our life. We make excuses. We make excuses to do things. We make excuses as to why we did things. We make excuses not to do things. And so I've decided that I'm going to offer to you an idea that we're going to call No Excuse Sunday. I'm going to give you some excuses that I've heard and some ways that I think we could work around those excuses so everybody could be here in church with us. I want to make it possible for everyone to attend. So I'm thinking that we're going to have a special kind of tongue-in-cheek No Excuse Sunday. We're going to have cots placed in the vestibule for those people who say Sunday is my only day to rest. There's going to be a special section over here to my left, your right, and that will be equipped with lounge chairs with vibrating built in to those who say Sunday is my only day to sleep in and the pews are too hard, I can't sleep in the pews. We're going to have eye drops available for those with tired eyes from watching too much TV and staying up late into Saturday night. I particularly like this one. We're going to have steel hard hats for those people who say if I ever walked in the doors of a church, the roof would fall down. Well, we don't want anybody to get hurt, so we're going to issue steel hard hats for that. We're going to have blankets for those who think the church is too cold. But we're also going to have hand fans for those who think the church is too hot. Scorecards are going to be available. Everybody likes scorecards, unless you were a Tennessee fan watching the game yesterday. <laughs> well, that hurt, didn't it? Scorecards. We're going to have scorecards available for those people who want to keep up with how many hypocrites are in the church. And I'll tell you a quick story. When I was younger, my dad... A guy and a guy that my dad were talking, and the guy looked at my dad and said, why would I come to church? It's full of hypocrites. I'll never forget what my dad said. He looked at the man right in the eye and goes, sir, there's always room for one more. <laughs> you know, that hurts, but it's the truth, isn't it? We're all hypocrites. We all say we're going to do things that we don't do and vice versa. There's going to be relatives and friends and attendance for those who say, well, I, the only time I get to be with my family is in church. We're going to have stamp out stewardship buttons for those people who think the church is always asking for money. 
we're going to have one section over here that's devoted to trees and grass and rock and flowing streams for those people who say they want to seek God in nature. There are going to be doctors and nurses available, those people who plan to be sick on Sunday. The sanctuary, I like this one, will be decorated with poinsettias and also Easter lilies. For those people who've never seen a church without one or the other in the church sanctuary. We're going to provide hearing aids for those who say they can't hear the pastor, cotton for the ears of those who can say the pastor, see, hear the pastor. And there's a story that I want to relate to. There was a husband and wife. It was about time for church to start. The wife looked at her watch and goes, oh, my gosh, we've got to leave in five minutes or we'll never get there on time. And she looked at her husband, and she noticed her husband was still laying in bed watching TV, hadn't moved a muscle. She said, honey, aren't you going to get dressed for church? He said, no, not going to go today. And he said, I don't want to go. And she said, but do you have any reason? He said, yes, I have three very good reasons. The congregation is cold towards me. Secondly, nobody likes me there. And third, I just don't want to go. And the wife said, honey, I've got three reasons you should go. The congregation is really warm. Secondly, there are lots of people there who like you. And third, you're the pastor. You've got to go whether you like it or not. <laughs> well, we talk about excuses. But let's be honest. We all make excuses, don't we? Oh, well. I would have been there on time, but my dog got out through the fence and I had to chase my dog around. Or I was outside and it started raining, I had to change clothes or excuses after excuses. Here are some of the ones that I've read before or I've heard used before. The nice summer weather is here, so I think I'm gonna stay home and enjoy God's creation. I don't wanna dress up for church, I have to wear a coat and tie every day of my life, so I'm gonna take off on Sunday so I don't have to dress up. Or the building gets too hot or the building gets too cold. Every time I go to the church, they're asking for money. The people I sat next to didn't talk to me and they didn't seem very friendly. The pews were hard, they hurt my back, they were uncomfortable. The choir director had the audacity to sing hymns I didn't know, to try to teach me new hymns. And the music was just not my style, it was too slow, it was too fast, it was too loud, it was too soft. The service times didn't fit my schedule. The place again is filled with a bunch of hypocrites. Welcome to my world. And I was forced my parents to go to church every day of the week when I was in a child and I'm tired of going to church. The church made decisions I don't agree with, so I'm not gonna go back anymore. The pastor is so long-winded that by the time he's done, the restaurants have a long wait just to get a table. The pastor talks too fast. The pastor talks too slow. The pastor talks too loud. The pastor talks too sad. Even in Jesus' day, people gave excuses. We think it's a modern phenomenon, it's not. It's not something that happened 25 years ago, or 30, or 40, or 50, even 100 years ago. It's something that's been going on ever since we have a recorded history of the church. Remember, Jesus called out to the people of his day as to why they could not commit themselves to him. He called them out, and yet people still made excuses. A man replied to the call of Jesus and said, First, Lord, let me go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury the dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go and say goodbye to my family. Well, that makes perfectly good sense. You wouldn't want to just disappear and not say goodbye. But Jesus said, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Now, what does that mean? If you don't watch where you're going straight ahead, if you keep looking back, there's a reason that our windshield is so big and our rearview mirror is so small. We're only supposed to look at minuscule things, small amounts of things behind us. We're supposed to leave the back, the, what's behind us, behind, and keep our eyes focused on the plow. I remember when I was a young man, I wasn't a young man, I was a kid. I was 13 or 14 years old. I thought I was grown by then. 
But I was 13 and 14, and Dad had gotten a new, actually my grandfather had gotten a new tractor. Dad was trying it out, and we were plowing a field. So I was determined that I was going to get on the tractor and plow. Well, I got on the tractor, and no self-respecting snake would have followed the row. I mean, it just went like an S, like this. I came back to the other end, and my granddad said, Son, you might as well get off that tractor because you ain't never going to be a farmer. <laughs> you know why? Because I kept looking behind me to see what I was doing instead of looking ahead of me to make sure I was on the right track. And that's what we have a tendency to do in our lives. We look behind us instead of looking forward to see what God has in store for us. Now, a lot of people read those responses of Jesus and they think, boy, that was cold. Don't let the dead bury the dead. Don't take the time to go say goodbye to your, your family. But Jesus was not concerned with being politically correct. Jesus was concerned with people who were ready and able and wanted to commit. And the people did want to commit, but they wanted to commit on their terms. They didn't want to follow the call of Jesus Christ because they would only commit if the cost wasn't too high. And Jesus, he was calling the bluff. He's saying, okay, you want to follow me? Come on, don't even take the time to say goodbye to your family. Just leave everything behind and follow after me. That is still a problem in the church today. The church universal. I don't mean particularly first and trinity. I mean in the church universal. Now, some of you at about this point are beginning to wiggle your toes inside your shoes because you feel like I have stepped all over them. Let me promise you something. I've been dealing with this sermon for about three and a half, four weeks and kept putting God off until finally he said, I'm not going to give you anything else to preach. You either preach this or you make it up as you go along, buddy. And so God convinced me that it was time to preach this sermon. I looked in the mirror as I thought about the sermon and I saw what was looking back. And to be honest, there were some things I didn't like. I realized my commitment level hadn't always been what it needed to be. So why, my question is this, why is it so difficult for some of us, maybe even many of us, to commit ourselves to Christ and the church? It's still a problem today. We're willing to commit, but we only want to do it on our term and if a lot's not expected of us. Every reason imaginable is that people are not willing to commit themselves that Christ has called them to live. We hear every kind of reason imaginable, and one reason that we often hear is they're just too busy. Or we would like to think we're too busy. We're too busy with our families. We're busy with our friends. We're busy with our work. We're busy with sports. We're busy with the volunteering. We're busy cleaning. We're busy cooking. We're busy with vacation. We're busy sleeping. We're just busy. Let me ask you a question that was going to sound like it comes out of left field. So here goes. How many of you in the last 48 hours have checked the air pressure on your spare tire? What? Well, God's got a lot of faith. You know what I mean by that? I haven't checked mine either. But you know what I have faith in? I have faith in this inanimate object that if I need it, it's going to be there. I am pretty sure, almost 99% sure, that we do have a spare tire in both of our vehicles. I think it's aired up. I'm not sure. I've never checked it. Now that I think about it, I'm almost positive that I have a lug wrench that I hope fits the, the lug nuts on the tire, and I'm pretty sure that I have a jack. I don't know that it works because I've never used it. Now, what in the world am I asking that for? Quite simply this. We treat Jesus Christ and the church of an almighty Savior as if it were a spare tire. That's what we do. Some of you are going to think, oh, ouch, that stung. You know why it stung? Because that's what we do. We take the church for granted. We just take for granted that if something needs to be done, 
somebody will take care of it. I've never met this somebody family, but I, I wish we had lots of them in the church because somebody's got to do it, right? So if we had lots of somebodies, we'd have lots of people doing things. We have to be careful that if we don't use the speed in which we live our lives as a reason for not being about the business of the kingdom of God. We're busy. We're busy sleeping. And to be honest, sometimes we're just too busy to be bothered by God. We're too busy to be faithful to his church. We're too busy to bother with the ministry of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something. This is personal experience. I give it to you free of charge, no extra cost at all. If you're too busy with Jesus Christ, you are just too busy. Because there's going to come a time, maybe not in this world, but in the world to come, that you're going to stand before an awesome judge. And you're going to be called into account for everything you did do. You're also going to be called into account for everything that you didn't do. Sins of commission, sins of omission. So the question we need to ask ourselves is if we're so busy that we don't have time for God, is God too busy for us? How many of you have had this happen? You go to God in prayer, you come down to your knees, you're burdened with some need, and you pray out to God, you cry out to God, and here's what you get. Beep. I'm sorry, God is not here at this time. At the sound of the tone, if you leave your message, we'll get back to you as soon as God is back in the office. Thank you. And you think, well, that was odd. It's never happened before. So you wait five or ten minutes, and you do the same thing, you get the same recording. No, that doesn't happen, because God is never too busy for you. We serve a Lord and Savior who is never too busy to love us, to give us grace, to extend to us mercy, to give us love. We follow a living Savior who loves us 24-7, not just 8 to 5, 5 days a week, not just when it's convenient, but loves us and wants us to commit to being a faithful follower of Jesus Christ. But it comes with a price. Discipleship comes with a price and a cost. And sometimes we're not quite ready to pay that cost. We're not ready to pay that price because it requires us to give all that we are, not just part of who we are. We have been conditioned to believe that God is a cosmic ATM machine. And you think, boy, you've got some strange analogies today. Yes, but sometimes we treat God like a cosmic ATM machine. We write down on a card what we want in our prayer life, what we're asking for. We stick it in that cosmic ATM machine, and we expect to just hold our hands out, and God blesses us. And we take them and just kind of pour them over us, and we're covered with God's blessing. That's not how it works. Don't want to burst any bubbles, but that's not how God works. God expects us to give our whole self, and we have to understand that we are called to do that because God is a jealous God. God wants us to give everything that we have, be everything that we are for him, work in the world around us, witness to the world around us, talk to the world around us. There was a 73-year-old Iowan resident by the name of Alden Sharp. Now, you may have heard this story. This is a true story. There are two kinds of stories, just to get this straight. There are preacher stories, and there are real-life stories. Sometimes preacher stories are kind of twisted, just to tweak just a little bit to make it fit the sermon. But this is a true story. 73-year-old Iowan resident, Alden Sharp. Well, Alden had a brother, the only family he had. Neither one had ever married. They were longtime bachelors, had no extended family, had no family or friends to count on either side. Well, the only problem is Alden's brother had gotten gravely ill, and he lived on the other side of Iowa. Well, Alden wanted to go see his brother, but he had one little problem. First, no one to carry him, and secondly, he did not believe he could drive himself, and here's why. 
He said, when I got above about 25 or 30 miles an hour, the road signs began to blur, and I couldn't see them because of my bad eyesight. So Alden Sharp, guess what he did? Did he sit there and wait for the news that his brother perhaps had passed away? No. He got on his riding lawnmower, and he rode 10 straight hours across Iowa to see his brother and to be with him while he was sick. That is costly commitment. Can you imagine riding a riding lawnmower? Can you imagine the looks you got, the jeers you got, the laughter that people laughed at you with as you went by? Can you imagine physically sitting on a riding lawnmower for 10 hours to go see or to go do anything? That is total, complete, sold out commitment. Alden rode that lawnmower 240 miles. According to my mathematical ciphering, as they used to say on Beverly Hillbillies, according to my ciphering, that's averaging about 24 miles an hour. <coughs> Pretty fast for a lawnmower. Not very fast when you think about what you could have done in a car. But he was so sold out, so committed, that he was determined that he was going to go see his brother. So here's my question. Why should we do any differently to God? What's God done for me? What, what do I owe God? What has God done in my life that makes me want to or makes me need to worship him? One word, grace. God has given us something we can't earn, something we can't go downtown and can't buy at the local grocery store. Here's the bad news. I looked. You cannot even buy it on Amazon. That's right. I looked up grace on Amazon, had all kinds of gadgets and all kinds of little sayings, but the actual, authentic, life-changing, image-shattering grace of God, can't buy it. God gives it to us. We can't earn it. And he's the only one who can give us this priceless gift of grace. It's a grace that goes beyond monetary value, goes beyond any measure. You can't buy a bucket of grace. You just buy, try to buy grace, and you're going to find yourself out of luck because it's not for sale. At the very moment that we open our lives to the Lord Jesus Christ, we are covered with his grace. At that moment in time that we confess our sins and profess Jesus as God's one and only son, as I said in the children's time, as Christina talked about, forgiveness and going to some person and being forgiven, those are attributes that come because of God's grace. You see, I'm so glad that God doesn't treat me the way I treat him because I want you to ask yourself, how would your life look if God's faithfulness to you was a mirror image of your faithfulness to him? Think about that for just a moment. And the Lord's Prayer says, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Let's parse that sentence for just a second. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. You know what we're saying to God? God Give me the same grace that I show others. Ouch. Give me the same justice, God, that I show others. Ooh. God, give me love, mercy, grace, forgiveness, the way that I extend love, grace, mercy, forgiveness. That kind of puts the Lord's Prayer in a different light, doesn't it? You see, God accepts me unconditionally, even when others have turned their nose up at me. God is always ready to forgive even when others think we've gone beyond forgiveness. Have you ever been invited to a picnic? I know you think I'm making all kinds of left turns. I hope you're staying with me. 
Have you ever been invited to a picnic? Anybody been on a picnic? Okay, think about that for just a moment. And I want to expand upon that thought. Imagine you're at work. It's Thursday afternoon. It's almost time to get off work. You're going to be back at work on Friday. But then on Saturday, one of your coworkers comes up and she says, we're having a picnic in the local park. Would love for you to come Saturday. And you say, yeah, I've, I'm single. I've got nothing to do. I've got nothing planned except watching TV. I think I'll come. What time? One o'clock, Saturday, in the park. And you say, great, that's, I'll meet you there. And so you get home Friday, you clocked out a little bit late, you're tired, you're grumpy, you forget about going to the grocery store. You get up on Saturday morning, here's what happens. Oh, no, I told him I'd come to this picnic and I'm gonna see that person at work Monday, I can't just not show up. So you start tearing apart the cabinets. The only thing you can find in the refrigerator are two curled up pieces of bologna. Now I like bologna but I don't like it curled up and hard. But that's all you can find, two little slices. So you pull them out of the Ziploc bag and you kind of hold it up and smell of it and make sure it's okay. So you think, well, I've got to have some mustard. So you find the mustard, there's a jar of mustard. It has just enough mustard right in the very bottom that when you try to scoop it out, it gets all over your hand and none of it's on the spoon. So you finally shake out enough mustard out of that jar. You go to find some bread, what do you find? Two end pieces of bread is kind of curled up like this. It, it looks like it's been there since Noah came over on the ark. And so you think, well, that's all I've got. So you take the mustard, you put it on both pieces of the dried up toasty bread, crusty bread, and then you put your bologna and you do find one slice of American cheese. So you put it on there and then you hit the jackpot, you find a bag of unopened potato chips. So you stuff those in the brown paper bag because you've been told just bring what you like to eat We'll provide the sweet tea. It's a typical Southern picnic. We've got the sweet tea. You bring what you like to eat. So you get there a little bit late, but you find the people that have invited you. You sit down beside her family, and you realize suddenly that this woman that you've worked beside for 20 years never told you she was the world's greatest Southern chef because you look, and there's fried chicken, and then there's mashed potatoes, and then there's lima beans. And then there's my personal favorite, there's black-eyed peas. And then there's potato salad. And then there are pickles and relish. And the list goes on and on. And you're sitting there holding your little brown paper bag, looking like a little dog that's lost its master. And you just kind of have this sad look on your face. And she looks and sees the look and she goes, you know, we love bologna sandwiches. Why don't you put your bologna sandwiches with our meal and we'll just all eat off each other's and you thought I can't do this I, and so you start making excuses and just about the time you start making excuses she pulls out two chocolate pies they're about this big around this much chocolate and a meringue about that tall and she sits them down in front of you and it's like one up you didn't I and so you look at that chocolate pie and you say are you sure she goes share and share alike and so you eat until you almost can't talk much less walk or move. Now, why did I tell that silly little story? Because you came as a pauper, you left having eaten like a king. Think about that for a moment. You came as a pauper holding a brown paper bag with crusty bread and curled up bologna, but you ate at a banquet. You ate a feast. That's what God does. God says, you're a pauper. 
You have nothing, nothing in my kingdom. You have earned nothing. You deserve nothing. There's nothing you can do to earn or deserve anything that I have. But guess what I want to do? I want to give you everything that I have. I want to set a feast before you. I want you to eat and eat and eat and be washed in the grace and the love and the mercy of Jesus Christ until it's like being covered with a fire hose. It's not just a little drizzle of grace. It's a fire hose of grace. And you are washed from head to toe. And when you leave, you know that you have been in the presence of an almighty God. So you come like a pauper. You end up eating like a king. Then you begin to think about your relationship with God. And you think about how little we bring and how much he gives us. We don't have enough love. We don't have enough grace. I love my family. I love my wife. I love my children, my grandchildren. I love you. But we use that word so easily. We use the word love to mean everything from I love spiders and snakes, as the old, say, our old song went, to I love my family. And we use that same word interchangeably. But God's love is so overwhelming, so amazing, so unbelievably present, omnipresent, in all places at all times, that we can't even begin to understand what God's love is about. We don't have enough love or grace or mercy or wisdom, but God does. God has it in abundance. And he says, let's put it all together. Everything God says, everything I possess is available to you, and everything that I am and can be to a person, I will be giving to you. It's not that God wants your bologna sandwich. What God wants you to do is to understand that you need his feast. You need his everything. God's grace is worth our daily devotion, our weekly attendance, our financial contributions, our blood, sweat, and tears devoted and given to the work and mission of the church. So what's going to be our response? Excuses or saying yes to our commitment to Christ and his church? Let me leave you with this. On this Sunday before we come to the Lord's table, commit to yourself in your heart and in your mind that you will not let an excuse stand before and between you and Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Lord, as we prepare to come to your table, we come to you as a people who so desperately need you. We come to you as a people who more than anything else want to sit down at the banquet feast to come in from the highways and the byways, to buy into, to take part in, to participate in, to dive into, to wallow in the feast of the kingdom of God. Help me to leave this place. Help us to leave this place knowing that we have been in the presence of an almighty God, that we've been in the presence of a God who loves us so much that he refuses to let us go that he will pursue us like the hounds of heaven, that he will pursue us over the highways, through the byways, over the mountains, through the valleys, until finally we give up and we say, Lord, here I am. Take me. Wash me clean. Make me who you want me to be. Help me to turn my eyes upon Jesus so I can become more and more like him. That's our prayer. As we come to the table this day, Help us to come to the table knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt that what we need is the grace and love feast of heaven. Help us to participate. Help us to eat like a king. We ask all these things in your name and for our sake and the people together say, Amen.
you say he is dead, he is alive. It's 2266 and I'm glad you said it today. Christ our Lord invites to the table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin, who seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sins before God and one another. Would you stand together as you are able? As we say together, merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love towards us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, Almighty God, Creator of heaven and earth. And so, with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name. 
and we join their unending hymn. Blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ, for by the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church. You delivered us from slavery to sin and to death, and you made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, he gave thanks, and holding the bread to the heavens, he broke the bread gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. As often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, Jesus took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said, drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died, Christ has risen, your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine make them be for us the body and the blood of Christ that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood by your spirit make us one with Christ one with each other and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in that final victory and we feast we feast at his heavenly banquet through your son Jesus Christ with the Holy Spirit in your holy church May all honor and glory be yours, almighty God, now and forever. Amen. Amen.
you come to the table at this time. given to you. Ben, the body of Christ given to you, my brother. Pray with me. Lord, as we've come to your table, we know that we are not worthy, but we are made worthy through the grace and the love and the sacrifice of your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let us take that grace with us out to a world that so desperately needs to feel the grace of God and know the love and mercy that is He Himself. We ask all these things in your name and for our sake, and together we say, Amen. for forgiveness and mercy and grace 
And so we ask as we leave this place that we would take that self-same grace and mercy and love with us into a world that so desperately needs to see the emissaries, the ambassadors of Christ at work in the world. Be with us, watch over us, and keep us. We ask it in your name. join with me in prayer we come to you Lord broken not worthy not worthy of the slightest touch or notice but somehow the creator and sustainer of the universe looks at me and sees me as someone that he wants as his child and so as we leave this place help us to leave here as children joyous happy laughing full of joy ready to show the world the reason for the hope that is within us and we will say it is because of Jesus Christ, alive through the Holy Spirit in my life. Be with us and watch over us. Amen. is the body of Christ given to you. Amen. The body of Christ given to you. Amen. The body of Christ given to you. The body of Christ given to you. Layla, the body of Christ given to you, my sister. The body of Christ given to you. Amen. The body of Christ given to you. given to you. Amen. The body of Christ given to you. The body of Christ, Helen, given to you. The body of Christ given to you. Amen. 
برای که بعد یک راست بیان شده که محسوس شد که بعد come a day when every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord until that day appears and until Christ returns again help us to feast at the table that has been laid before us and help us through the body and the blood of Christ to be empowered to go out and show the world tell the world scream the news to the world that Christ has risen Christ is coming again We ask, Lord, these things, even as we ask for your forgiveness, as we say together, amen. with me Lord as we come to the end of this day the end of the service help us to remember the church doesn't end here church begins here church truly starts when we go out of the doors of this sanctuary into a world that is dying for lack of grace and love and mercy so help us to leave this place filled and empowered overflowing to almost bursting with the love of God and help us to proclaim it to the world. And we ask, Lord, these things in your name, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, in whose name we pray. And the people all together say,
this place. Help us to remember the sermon did not end here. The sermon just started here. The word of God just started here. The songs of the church just started here. The coming to the communion table just started here. And it empowers us to carry out into the world the good news. Christ has come. Christ has risen. Christ is coming again. And there will come a time when every again, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of lords and King of kings. We proclaim this. We acclaim this. We claim this. We ask, Lord, that you would work in our lives in such a way that we would always be about the business of Jesus Christ. And we ask it in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and the people together say, Amen. 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 Amen.